0: Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we are headed as a church. Once again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Just bow your head for a moment. I just want to give you a moment to just, in stillness, just talk to God. We didn't come here today to go to church. We came here today to meet with God. What is God saying to you in this moment? If it's sin that He's making you aware of, confess it. If it's a truth about Him, praise Him for it. If it's a call or a prompting, surrender to Him in this moment. If it's a promise... Just claim it right now by faith. Believe God is who He said He is. Lord, we now want to sit under Your Word. Speak to us, O God. in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. We are continuing this weekend, if you're a guest, a series that we're walking through the whole summer that we've called A Deep Dive. And what we're really trying to do is over 11 weekends, dive really deep into the 145th Psalm. If you have your Bible, you can go and open it to Psalm 145. Uh, We're going to jump back into the verses that we looked at last weekend, verses 8 and 9. And as we're doing this deep dive, we're really seeking to uncover glorious truth about the person and the character of God. This Psalm is rich with truth about who God is. Is Last weekend, we jumped into verses 8 and 9. We didn't get very far. We only got through the first four words of those verses. So we're going to be back in those verses again this morning. But as a part of our deep dive, one of the things that we've given you is what we've called the Psalm 145 Challenge, meaning this. We're asking everybody in our church to memorize the 145th Psalm. So this week, the memory verses were verses 8 and 9. So we're going to quote them out loud together. All right? If you're ready to do it, say amen. amen. That's not super hearty. We're going to do it anyway, all right? And hey, you got it easy. This is my third time to stand up here and quote these, and people are shouting out quotations from different translations and just getting me all messed up, all right? So I'm trying to stay in my lane, but we're going to quote Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9 together. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and... I did it again, and great in loving kindness. There you go. Now, the Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. And like I've told you every week when we've done this, the goal is not word-perfect repetition. That's not what we're going for. The goal is to hide God's word in your heart. It's one thing to end a moment on the spot have to quote a verse. It's something else to have it hidden in your heart so that throughout your day, throughout your week, you can be meditating on Scripture. So what I'm going to do now for all of us is I'm going to put the two verses up here on the screen, and I'm going to give you the cheat sheet, and now we're going to read it out loud, and we're going to rattle the building. We're going to read it so loud together. So put your whole heart into it. Let's read it together. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all and his mercies are over all his works. Amen? Amen. Amen. So last weekend, we covered this. The Lord is gracious. That's as far as we got. And out of that phrase in this verse, we learned three things about God. Let me remind you what they were. Number one, we said God is is. And that was drawn out of the meaning behind the name of God. We see it as translated as the word Lord, but it's literally the Hebrew word Yahweh, which is God's personal name. And it comes from a root that speaks to the eternality of God, meaning this God has no beginning, God has no ending, God simply is. He always has been, and He always will be God. But then secondly, we said God is, say this out loud, unchanging. Again, it comes out of that Hebrew root for that word Yahweh. It means that the character of God is unchanging. God is, and God is always who he said he is. And this this came home to me a little bit this week. My wife and I... Went out together to a little restaurant that we like to go to here over in the district. It's one of our places we like to go. If we want to go get a quick bite to eat this really good food, we go to a place over there called Crazy Pita. How many have ever been to Crazy Pita before in the district? All right. Great food. It's Mediterranean. We love it. If you like hummus and pita bread and grape leaves and all that kind of stuff, it's a great little Mediterranean spot. But my favorite thing on their menu is their rotisserie chicken. Their rotisserie, I don't know, it's close to lunchtime now, right? So their rotisserie chicken, man, it is money. It is so good. I don't know what all the spices and stuff that they use, but it is so good. So every time I go to Crazy Pita, I go in and I order the rotisserie chicken. Well, we went in this week, walked up to the counter, I'd like rotisserie chicken. And I see this look on the guy's face, and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, something's wrong. And he said, uh, he said, well, you know, it's kind of late in the day. I'm not sure we have any left. And my heart just sank. And what I now know is he served me the last three pieces of rotisserie chicken because there was a person in line, about three people behind me that ordered it, and they didn't get any because I got it all. It was done. But, but here's what I learned about rotisserie chicken. Here's what I learned about the menu at Crazy Pita. It changes you can go in there one day and they may not have what you need. But here's what I want you to understand today. If you came today and needed the grace of God, he's as gracious today as he's ever been. Then he's as gracious today as he ever will be. Why? Because God is unchanging. If you need peace, if you need healing, if you need forgiveness, if you need comfort, God is and God is unchanging. His menu never changes. It doesn't run low. He doesn't run out. God always is and God is unchanging. He is. Yahweh, the Lord. Third thing we said last weekend, God is gracious. God is gracious. And we talked about how God has demonstrated his grace towards us in salvation. That grace is God giving us that which we do not deserve. We didn't deserve salvation. We didn't earn it. God in his grace has given it to us. But now what I want to do is go deeper into that question we've been asking every week, What do these verses tell us about God? There were the three from last week. I want to give you four more this morning. Here's the first one. God is merciful. Did you hear what the psalmist said? The Lord is gracious and merciful. Merciful is a Hebrew word That comes or that that means, the root of it means full of compassion. It means pertaining to show favor rather than to demonstrate punishment that is deserved. It indicates a forgiving character. And this word is used exclusively in the Old Testament, except for one instance, it always refers to the person and character of God Himself. It only is used one time to refer to a human being, and it's describing in, in Psalms the one who fears God. So, what it's communicating is that this demonstration of mercy is really a characteristic of who God is, and the only time you even see it in us in human beings is the degree to which we're allowing God to demonstrate His own mercy. In and through us. The point of this word merciful means that because God is mercy, he forgives us. I don't know about you, but aren't you thankful for God's forgiveness? You didn't hear what I just asked you. Aren't you thankful for God's forgiveness? Aren't you thankful this morning that you've experienced the mercy of God in forgiveness? Let me tell you somebody who was thankful, somebody who was excited. David. The one that wrote this Psalm 145 in Psalm 32. David's one of my favorite characters in the Bible because David was not a perfect guy. Amen? I mean, if you read David's resume, he had some pretty big blunders on his resume. But when David got it wrong, David responded rightly and enjoyed the forgiveness of God. Listen to what David said about forgiveness. Psalm 32, David said, how blessed. Say those two words out loud. When David said it, he wasn't just calmly saying, he was shouting, how blessed! It means how happy, how highly favored is he whose transgression is what? Forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. David is here reflecting on his own experience of God's mercy. And he uses multiple words. He uses the word sin. He uses the word iniquity. He uses the word uh, transgression. All of these different words describing how you and I have stepped across God's boundaries. We've rebelled against God's character. we've, We've transgressed God's laws. And David says, man, having done all of that, let me tell you, I am so excited about the forgiveness of God. The word forgiven here is a word that literally in Hebrew means to lift... To carry or to take away? Here's what David is saying. I am so thrilled that God has reached into my life and he's taken all of my sin and all of my transgression and all of my iniquity. And God has lifted it off of me and he has carried it away. You say, how did did this happen? Well, the New Testament tells us. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, listen what it says. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of what? Sin. Here's what that means. If we really got what we deserved... Now, if you've come for one of those pop psychology, warm and fuzzy, make me feel better and send me home kind of talks, I'm not about to give you one of those lines, all right? If we really got what we deserved because we've sinned against God, we've rebelled against God's law. If we got what we deserved, we would die for our sin. And not just death physically... We would die eternally. That's why the scripture says in Romans chapter 3, this phrase, the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty because of our sin. It's spiritual death. We're dead to God. We don't have a relationship with God. It means physical death. Physical death wasn't a part of God's original design. Death entered the picture because of our sin. But it's even worse than that. It's eternal death. If we really got what we deserve, we would die physically, and for eternity, we would die in separation from God if we got what we deserved. But God is merciful. He's merciful. And here's what his mercy means. Mercy means, here's the application, God always withholds from us that which we do deserve. You see, what grace is, is God giving us that which we cannot ever earn or deserve on our own, but mercy is God withholding that which we have earned because of our sin. I don't think you're getting it. Let me read it to you out of Ephesians chapter 2. This fall, we're going to begin a study through the New Testament letter of the book of Ephesians. but I want to read you a few verses out of it. Ephesians chapter 2, listen to what he says, beginning in verse 1. And you... Were, say it out loud. Say it one more time. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. What can a dead man do for himself? Why? He's dead. The Bible says, because of our sin, we were dead. We were dead spiritually in our trespasses. And he says, In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among two, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the Here's what he's describing. Here's the way it used to be I was dead. I was dead to God in my sin. I was hopeless, I was helpless. There was nothing I could do. By my very nature, I was a child of wrath. I deserved the wrath and the punishment and the justice of God. Oh, but the next two words in this verse are two of the greatest words in all the Bible. Look what it says next. But God <laughs> I was dead but god i was hopeless but god i was lost but god what does it say next but god being what rich. woo rich in what Mercy. yeah but the little word but here denotes transition it means here is what i was saying but now i'm about to introduce something else here's who we used to be dead here's who we used to be children of wrath but god rich It means spilling over, abundant, meaning his cup isn't running dry. It's spilling over, and it's being rich, meaning it's not something that he experiences momentarily. It's always the name. How do you know he's always rich in mercy? Because God is, and God is unchanging. It's who he is. But God, look at it, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, and our transgressions made us what? Alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. How did this take place? Remember what he said. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Jesus, God's son, stepped into the world, took on humanity. God became a man. And Jesus did what you and I couldn't do. He lived a sinless life. He perfectly fulfilled the law of God. He was absolutely holy and absolutely righteous. And on the cross, Jesus offered his body in our place. And here's what God did. He lifted up and carried away all my sin and all your sin. And he put it on Jesus, the holy, sinless Son of God. And on the cross, Jesus, you know what he did? He did what? He died. He died. Why? Because he died. The wages of sin is death. If I got what I deserve. But the mercy of God withheld what I deserve. And he put on Christ that which I deserve to die for my sin And here's here's the simplest way I know how to state it. Look at this. Christ took our sin. We get his righteousness. God carried all of my sin and he placed it on Christ. And Christ died, but Jesus rose again. So that now I can put my faith and trust in Jesus. He's taken all of my sin. Guess what I get? Righteousness. I deserve that? No, it's grace. Don't I deserve this? Yes, but that's mercy. You see, I'm now in Christ. Here's what that means. If I'm standing before you today, one of of Paul's favorite terms to use to describe us in the New Testament is the phrase, in Christ, or in Him. So if I'm standing before you today, and I'm in a black plastic bag, when you look at me, what are you gonna see? Come on now, it's not rocket science. It's not a hard question. The answer to this one's not Jesus, all right? If I'm standing here and I'm in a black plastic bag, when you look at me, what are you gonna see? A black plastic bag. Why? Because I'm in it. Listen, listen, because of Jesus, all my sin got carried over here and put on Christ. Now, I'm in Christ, meaning this. When God sees me, he doesn't see me as a sinner who's been forgiven. He doesn't see me as a sinner who's trying to do his best. He sees me as righteous as Jesus Christ himself. Why? Because I'm in him. And that is the gift of the mercy and the grace of God. In mercy, Christ took my sin. In grace, I've been given his righteousness. My mentor, Clyde Cranford, said it this way. Listen to what he said. Mercy and grace are the opposite sides of the same coin. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. We deserve condemnation and wrath. We deserve hell, but instead, we are given forgiveness, reconciliation, and eternal life. Listen to me. God is merciful. But there's another one. Let's move on. Number two. God is slow to anger. Can I get an amen there? Listen, God is slow to anger. Did you hear it? The Lord is gracious and merciful, next three words, slow to anger. It's a phrase from the Hebrew language that literally means long or drawn way out. When it's used to describe a person, it means someone who is slow to temper. It means and tells us that God does not have a quick temper. Amen. Here's the application for you and me. Listen, God is always patient towards us. Isn't that encouraging? You say, How do I know He's patient towards me today? Because <laughs> He is, and He's unchanging. Here's what that means. He's as patient today as he's ever been, and he's as patient today as he's ever going to be. Why? Because he just is. He's God, and he's unchanging. Well, pastor, why would God be so patient? I think if we were all going to be honest this morning, and church is a good place to be honest, okay? So the problem is, we come to church, we put our religious face on, and we tell everybody, oh, I'm good. You know, we put on this, I'm a spiritual superstar guy, but... If we're going to be honest, we would all say this morning that I've blown it spiritually way more than I've gotten it right spiritually. Can I, any, any witnesses in the room? I've blown it way more than I've gotten it right spiritually, which makes us in our flesh wonder sometimes, why didn't God just say, enough? You've pushed me too far. I'm done. Well, let me tell you why he didn't. Because he's slow to anger. He's patient. It's who he is. Listen, for him to not be that way would deny the existence of who he is. He is patient. The Bible doesn't say here that it's something that he does. The Bible says the Lord is slow to anger. It's a part of his character. It's a part of his character. But the New Testament gives us even more insight into why he relates to us this way. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Look what it says. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. Beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years, like a day. You know what yesterday was like to the Lord? A thousand years. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness. But... Is, say it out loud, patient. Patient towards you. Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to, say the last word out loud. Repentance. Repentance is a change of heart and a change of mind. Born about by a work of the Holy Spirit of God that produces a change in the way that I live my life. Repentance is a turning from my sin and turning to. God, why is God so patient towards us? Here's why. Because God made you to know him and to love him and to be known and loved by him. God made you to enjoy a fellowship relationship with him. And so in mercy and in grace, God is infinitely patient with us, waiting for us to come to repentance. Here's what that means. If you're here today and you don't know God, you don't know what it is to be a loved, accepted child of God, you've never experienced His forgiveness and His grace and His mercy and His salvation. Today, He is waiting patiently. He desires to save you from your sin. So here's what I would encourage you to do today. Just run to him. Run to him because he's waiting on you to come. For today, some of you, what needs to happen, you need to repent of your sin and begin a relationship with Jesus because in his grace and mercy and patience, he's waiting on you. But secondly, there's some of you here today, you already know him. And you're now not walking with him. And his desire is to save you from yourself. You see, sometimes we think this act of repentance is a one-time decision that we make in the moment of salvation. But repentance is an ongoing way of life for the child of God. Where day by day, as we take the reins back, he's wooing us to himself. And here's what I would say to you today. If that's you, you're a child of God, but you're not walking in fellowship with him, I would encourage you today to embrace the patience of God and return to him. Listen to the way Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 2. He says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of the kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the, say this out loud, the, the what? The kindness of God leads you to what? See, here's the mistake we make. We think that the way God gets our attention is that he gets mad at us. We think it's the anger of God that leads us to. It's the wrath of God. It's the punishment of God. No, no, no. The Bible says it's the kindness of God. God in his kindness and in his patience and in his mercy and in his grace and in his long suffering, just woo, God loves you too much to leave you where you are. In his sovereign patience toward us, God has allowed us the ability to choose right from wrong. Yet even when we choose to sin, God in his grace will not let us stay there. He woos us back to himself. God is slow to anger. Third word, God is great in loving kindness. Did you hear it? The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. I love that he adds a little adjective in this one. He didn't just say loving kind. He said he's great in loving kindness. The word loving kindness is a word that means un. Unfa- Failing love. It's demonstrated by acts of kindness. It's loyal love. This word loving kindness describes a devotion that is rooted in an existing relationship. If there was one word that I would use to try to summarize this whole phrase of great and loving kindness, here's the word from the English language. Faith. faithful. We like to use that term talking about us as Christians. Well, I'm trying to be faithful. But here the Bible uses this term about God. God is faithful to His own. Which means this. Hear me. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. No matter what You've done in your life. Did you hear that? Listen to me. Did you hear that? If you heard that, say amen. I don't believe you. I'm going to say it again. Listen. No matter what you've done in your life, big or small, God's love for you has not changed. You say, Pastor. How can you be sure because God is and because God is unchanging? And one of the unchanging characteristics of God is his devotion to you and me. My wife and I, we went to another restaurant. This must be restaurant week for us. We went to another restaurant this week, and we were eating dinner. And when we finished our meal, one of the servers from another table came over to us. And she said, Pastor, you don't know me, but I've been attending your church And that's about all she could get out. And she just broke right there in the restaurant and began to weep out loud standing there. Just sobbing. And the only words that I could hear out of her mouth were, I've blown it. I've messed up. I just keep making the wrong. I don't want to, but I keep making the wrong. We're sitting in the restaurant. She's just crying, and she's just, saying, I messed up. And I've been living all week in in Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9. And my wife and I, we were able to sit her down at the table and lay hands on her and pray with her and remind her that there's nothing she's done that has changed the faithfulness of God. God is as devoted to her as he's ever been. How do I know that? Because he's as devoted today as he's ever been and he's as devoted today as he ever will be. Why? Because he's great in loving kindness. You say, Pastor, if you tell people that, They're just going to go live however they want to (laughs) live. You're right. But listen, when you understand that, it'll change the way you want to live. Because it's the kindness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God that woos us into an intimate love relationship with him. Here's what I want you to understand. This is the way my mentor said it. He said, our security rests not in our ability to hold on to him, but in his ability to hold on to us. Think about it this way. Let's say I'm walking down the street on a sidewalk with a small child, and the small child is holding my hand. Well, if that child sees something shiny in the street, and that child's just holding my hand, that child could very easily let go of my hand, dart out into the street, out there where there's danger, where there's death, where there's, there's distractions. If he's just holding on to my hand. But listen, it's a game changer. If I'm holding on to that child's hand, that child can tug, but I'm not letting go. That child can see something shiny, but I've got him in my hand. Listen, here's what I want you to know this morning. This morning as you sit here, your security in your relationship with Jesus is not rooted. It's not founded in your ability to hold on to him. I want you to know he has a hold of you, and our God is great in loving kindness. It's why the writer of the book of Lamentations said it this way. Listen to Lamentations chapter 3. He said, the Lord's loving kindness is indeed, say it out loud. The Lord's loving kindness is indeed what? You believe that? Then here's what that means. His disposition towards you has not changed. His devotion, his love, his loyalty never ceases. Why? For his compassions never fail. They are, get this, this is so awesome. They're what? New Here's what that means. You woke up this morning, God's got a whole new dose of faithfulness. He's got a whole new dose of devotion. He's never running short. He's never running low. He's never sold out. He didn't give yours to somebody else every morning. That's why the writer said, great is your faithfulness. He's great in loving kindness. I'm reading a devotional right now by a man named Mark Jones. Listen to what he said about God's faithfulness. I love this quote. God's faithfulness towards us springs forth from his faithfulness to himself. When he speaks a promise to us, his character is on the line. To break a promise would be to deny himself. Here's what that means. If God made a promise to be faithful to you and then God went back on that promise, he would be denying himself and cease to be God. He can't be God and break his That's why Paul wrote it this way in 2 Timothy. If we are faithless, he remains what? Faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So here's the application. God is always faithful, even when I am unfaithful the lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and great in loving kindness here's the fourth thing we'll close with this god is good to all do you hear it the lord is gracious and merciful Slow to anger, great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all. Interesting point here. All the things in verse 9 were specifically addressed to God's people. This one encompasses everybody. The Lord is good to who? All. The word all is a Hebrew word that means all the whole, but also all every individual component, meaning this. All of humanity enjoys the goodness of God himself. J.I. Packer, in his classic book, Knowing God, said it this way about this phrase in Psalm 145. He said, The psalmist's point is that since God controls all that happens in his world, every meal, every pleasure, Every possession, every bit of sun, every night's sleep, every moment of health and safety, everything else that sustains and enriches life is a divine gift of God's goodness. Here's what this verse tells us. Whether or not you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you woke up today enjoying the goodness of God. When you woke up today and the sun was in its place shining, let me tell you what that was. That was the universe declaring the goodness of God. When you woke up today and there was breath to be breathed into your body, it was the universe declaring that God is good to all. When you woke up today and our universe was not in absolute chaos, it was a testimony that God is good to all as he holds it in place. As long as... As there's breath in your body, you enjoy the goodness of God. You say, well, I don't need a relationship with God. I'm doing okay. Let me tell you why you're doing okay. Because the Lord is good to all. He's good to all. You know what heaven is? Heaven is enjoying the presence and goodness of God for all eternity. That's what heaven is. The difficulty when you read Scripture is heaven is not the only eternal destiny described in Scripture. There's another one called hell. You say, whoa, 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 Pastor, wait a minute, it's 2018. Come on now. You're not telling me that you believe that there's a real literal place called hell where people spend eternity. No, here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it don't matter what you think I believe. What I'm telling you is the same book that says God is merciful and God is gracious and God is forgiving and that heaven is real is the same book that says hell is a real place. The Bible is not a cafeteria line where you go through and pick out what you like and spit out what you don't like. If you do that, it's no longer the Bible you believe, it's you who you believe. The Bible says hell is a real place. Let me tell you what hell is. Hell is a place of the absence of the presence and goodness of God for all eternity. And although you may be very much enjoying the goodness of God today, if you die, and we're all going to, if you die and you have never entered into a, if you've never run to Jesus and experienced his mercy and grace, you will spend an eternity separated from God and his goodness. That's why the prophet Isaiah said these words in Isaiah chapter 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And listen, listen, listen. He's near today. He's near today. Listen, he's as near today as he has ever been, and he is as near today as he ever will be. How do you know that, Pastor? Here's how I know, because God is, and God is unchanging. You're never going to catch him on a day better than today. Listen, here's the application. Here's the application. Today is the day to respond to the goodness of God in salvation. Listen, today is the best day there's ever been in all of history for you to experience. He said, How do you know that? Let me tell you how I know that. Because God is as ready to save today as he's ever been. And he's as ready to save today as he'll ever be. How do I know that? Because he is Yahweh. God is. And God is Unchanging, You'll never find him on a day when he has more grace than he's got today. You'll never find him on a day when he's got more forgiveness than he's got today. Today is the day to respond and run to Christ. Today's the day. So let's bow our head before the Lord. God, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit... As only you can in this moment, would you speak? Lord, I pray even as, we're, even as we're praying, I pray right now that there are people sitting here and literally the scales are falling off of their eyes. And they are realizing by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God that Jesus loves them and wants to save them. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, in just a moment we're going to stand and sing a song of worship. And when we stand to sing this song of worship, we have pastors here at the front. Prayer volunteers available. If you're here today and you've never come to know Jesus, you don't know what it is to have a relationship with God, to be forgiven, and to know the love and acceptance of God the Father. If you've never come to know Christ, when we stand in just a moment, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Run to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to slip out of your row where you're going to be standing. The people around you, they'd love to let you out for this. And you just come down to one of these pastors, and here's all you got to say. Just like we've had people do in the first two services. Just say, I need Jesus. If you forget that, just stand here. We'll know why you're here. You just come. And we'll have somebody sit down and open a Bible and show you how you can begin a relationship with God through what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. I want you right now as you're sitting here, I want you to decide right now in your heart, as soon as we stand, I'm going. As soon as we stand, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to know that my eternity in heaven is secure. I want to know that for all eternity, I'm going to enjoy the goodness and the presence of God. Listen, you think it's good here. Wait till we get there and there's no more sin, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more heartache. Secondly, there's some of you here today, you're already a Christian, but you're not walking with God, and you know it. We're going to open these altars up here. You can come just be alone with God. Our pastors are here if you want to pray with one of them. Our prayer volunteers are here. If God's spoken to you today and there's something in your job, your health, your marriage, your family, a child, whatever it is, and you want to pray with one of our pastors, you come. You come while we're singing. You come. We'd be honored to pray with you and for you. Holy Spirit of God, in this moment, would you have your way? Lord, we sang it earlier. The glory of God is what our heart longs for. Make us more aware of your presence. As you sit here in the quiet of this moment before we stand to sing, what's God speaking to you right now? How do you need to respond? As soon as we stand, I want you to move. As soon as we stand, I want you to respond. God, have your way. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.